This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. A warning, this episode contains explicit language, including detailed discussion of body parts and sex acts. The title of the dating show, Naked Attraction, tells you everything you need to know. A single person is presented with six entirely naked strangers and whittles them down to one person they want to go on a date with. It's weird, it's kind of funny, and it's very, very naked. Naked Attraction has already run for several seasons in the UK, and now a bunch of those seasons have arrived on Max. As you might expect, there's some controversy and consternation, but do a bunch of naked bodies really merit all this chatter? I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about Naked Attraction on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Here with me and Stephen today are our co-hosts Aisha Harris. Hey, Aisha. Hey, Linda. I'm here and fully clothed. Absolutely. And Glenn Weldon. Hi, Glenn. Hey, we're submitting this one for the Peabody, right? That's this episode? Yes, that's the plan. That's the plan. This is the one they'll remember Uh us for. Yes. And as Aisha mentioned, I should start by saying we are all fully clothed for this conversation. (laughs) Naked Attraction, hosted by Anna Richardson, is a little bit like the dating game or something like that, in that a single person is presented with several options. For someone to go out with, this is your studs, your love connection, blah 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 In this case, there are six people who are all naked, standing in separate boxes behind screens. Gradually, over a series of rounds, the screens are raised to reveal the bottom half of everybody, then the middle part, and then the face, and then there's even a chance to hear people's voices. Finally, the chooser themselves gets naked for the moment where they choose who to go out with. There's a quick epilogue purporting to show how the date went. That's the deal. There have been some angry public statements from people who think this is all very scandalous and should be removed from Max, largely because, and we should stress this for those of you who might decide to watch it, there's no blurring here. There are no black boxes covering up naughty parts. In the immortal words of our producer, Liz Metzger, you see everything. And there are close-ups. But the show has seemingly been a hit for Max. And if you like your nudity really nude, it's hard to deny that this hits the spot, so to speak. Um, Steven, I'm going to start with you. How do you feel about Naked Attraction? <laughs> uh- So, okay, so first of all, we should state up front, this show is based on a theory that makes no sense at all. (laughs) Most dating shows, you watch Your Love is Blind, and there's a certain amount of like, what if a different kind of dating experience were to take place where you got to have an emotional connection and then, only then, can you greet their physical form? This is just based on the idea of like, what if you first judged somebody by (laughs) how tidy their vulvas are? (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that's something nobody has ever thought. <laughs> Nobody's ever said, man, I'm unlucky at love, but let's judge calves first. Yeah. So yeah. it's so incredibly silly. It is. I, I'm watching this. I'm like, well, there's no way this ever works, mm-hmm. right? And I'm flipping around and I'm just like, I'm just going to pick an episode at random. I'm guessing that I don't have to watch this show chronologically. Yeah. And so the first episode I watch, a single mom named Gemma picking among six dudes. She picks this kind of goofy looking guy. And I'm like... 
feel like they might be compatible. <laughs> I feel like this might work. You're invested. You're invested. I'm sitting there a little bit invested. I'm kind of rooting for Gemma and this kind of sweet goober who seems really into her. They are now married. Amazing. What? I went, I Googled them. I thought enough of their chances as a clothed couple oh, wow. that, that, that this could actually, this could actually work. This reminds me of the fact that Big Brother is at least as good at getting people married as The Bachelor, right? Mm, yeah. Because the lesson is, if you shut a bunch of attractive people in a house together, a certain number of them are going to start making out, a certain number of those people are going to start doing it, and a certain number of those people are going to decide they like each other. And it's as good as anything. So it's like, to me, part of it is like, yes, this is silly, but like, maybe it's as good as anything else. <laughs> Aisha, what do you think about naked attraction? I mean, what's the first thing anyone who hears about this premise for the first time th- thinks to themselves? It's who would decide to do this? Sure. Do you want to be employed? Do you want to <laughs> be- go on dates in the future? But as I started watching this show, and I've, I don't know how many episodes I watched, probably between 12 and 14, I got a pretty hefty uh, sample size here. Um, And what Mm -hmm. I realized is that so many of these contestants are actually looking for validation. They're looking for an ego boost. They're looking for uh, self-confidence, especially the women, the femmes, and the trans participants. And Mm -hmm. we have to say out the gate, the show is actually quite progressive. Like there's all different types of bodies, all different types of genders, all different types of, well, race is another thing. Race is another thing. I do want to play a little clip of a contestant who was not picked. This is from season one, and they're talking about how it feels to have been on this show, even though they did not ultimately wind up going on a date. It was quite nice having someone review my body. They said I had a nice bum. That was really nice, and it actually made me feel really good. That's like such a common sentiment. And to me, that actually makes this show feel a little less weird than something like Love is Blind, where it's like, Mm -hmm. this is about self-confidence in a way. And I think that getting right down to the nitty gritty and to just like the bare bones, it works in a way, as Stephen said, for someone, they got married. (laughs) Yeah. This show could go to creepy town so easily and it all comes down to the casting. There needs to be affability. There needs to be just sort of a... A genuineness, and that that's what works about it. I got to tell you, I think the show's kind of great. I, <laughs> I like I like this show. Oh, yes. Can I yes. binge this show? No. There are only so many vulvas and balls I need to see in a short period of time. Um, and eventually you just kind of go numb to it past a certain point. But, you know, as, as I alluded to, I think there's a weird way in which any TV dating show is a ridiculous way to meet people. And I'm not sure it's any more ridiculous than any other way. People genuinely talk about coming here looking for relationships. And my favorite, this is my favorite encapsulation of this tension. Play the clip. I want to do naked attraction because I am 60 and I would like to have that opportunity to have somebody that you can love and care for. I'm looking for somebody that wants to go out with somebody hung like a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Let's A-B test those two responses. (laughs) That right there is the foundational tension of the show, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a way in which when I first started watching the show, I was like, what would it be like to be eliminated first from a dating show 
based on your genitals, yeah. which is basically what happens in the first <laughs> round. There are other yeah. things, legs and toes and things yeah. like calves. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, it would be so devastating, but in another way, you know it has nothing to do with who you are as a person. <laughs> yeah. So it's maybe less devastating. <laughs> well, especially when it's based on the state, shape, or quantity of your pubic hair. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like That's a big one. Something you could alter in a million different ways and that completely... Well, wait a minute, Stephen, because I think we can call this show Razor Bumps the Game Show. Because how <laughs> do you go on this show knowing that close-ups are a central component and yeah. let the skin around your genitalia look like angry bubble wrap? Like, where is the makeup department? Where is the hair department? Where is the skin care? I want to get back to the central tension that Linda describes because I too brought a clip. You have a lot of clips. And uh, <laughs> we got a lot of clips. This, this, this particular clip was if if any of us encountered this clip as we're all kind of skipping around this show, it was a race of who could send this clip to the producers first. Uh, this is 57 year old Judith. Judith, Judith. She is a church going caregiver. She is a very sweet lady. She is a cancer survivor. Uh, she is also a size queen. Mm -hmm. Eight to 11 inches. Mm -hmm. That's what she wants. Eight to 11. <laughs> Eight to 11 inches is what Judith is looking for. I feel like this clip uh, encapsulates the multitudes that Judith contains. I actually play piano. I'd love to play for the boys and sing. I think we need to see whether these boys really do have rhythm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love their definition of rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the definition of rhythm involves a lot of waggling. Yep. <laughs> just just waggling. Waggling along to a hymn. <laughs> to a hymn. To a, <laughs> yes. to a hymn. Yeah. And I got to say, the word that kept coming to mind watching Judith was goals. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Goals. yes. <laughs> we should all aspire mm -hmm. to be yes. Judith. Can we throw in my Judith clip? He's got a little bit of hair, yeah, which is very, very nice. It looks nice and soft, actually. I could quite imagine my nose into that. Do you know what I mean? Nosing around the soft pubic hair. So that's a real turn on Anna. Just the verb choice of nosing around. <laughs> nosing around. Hair. Oh, man. Yeah. I meant it when I said I think this show is kind of great. And the reason I think it's kind of great, like legitimately stepping back from how weird it is and how nutty it is. There are, as Aisha alluded to, a lot of different bodies on this show. And what I love about it is that television, especially American television, yes, it's puritanical about nudity. That's one thing. But the other thing is that it's very binary about bodies in terms of like good bodies versus bad bodies, mm -hmm. desirable bodies versus not desirable bodies. You do get older people, bigger and smaller people, trans people, non-binary people, both in the choosers and in the chosen. And to me, it's so funny that there's been, you know, some of the usual suspects kind of complaining, oh, this is very offensive and it's terrible and they should take it off of Max. To me, there is only one thing that I saw on this show that really offended me, I think, and that was the live, love, laugh tattoo. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> that really offended uh, me. Yeah. But Nothing else on this show offends me, and I think that it's much kinder-hearted than most dating shows. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. it is true, and Judith 
gave us a, a, a sense of this. It is very explicit when people talk about sex. It's not just the nudity. It's that people talk very explicitly about sex and having sex and what kind of sex they like. To me, honestly, there are probably a lot of young people for whom this is not a bad thing to watch in terms of realizing that like bodies look all kinds of different ways and there's a ton of variability. And when you see people put their clothes on at the end, it's like, wow, all these people who look really average in clothes (laughs) look really different when they're naked. And I kind of think it's great in that way. There is a marked disconnect between the purely biological anatomical presentation of these bodies and the host contestant banter. Mm. Because I think what this show is aiming for is a very British phenomenon, cheekiness, right? Naughtiness, impudence, irreverent but playful. And that really only manifests in what's being said. So you've got these contestants who are totally – who wants to be a millionaire in their thought process, saying it out loud, saying, that that is a well-manicured bush. And and the host saying, do you like a nice vulva? And it works better – I think the show works better if you're watching it with a bunch of people. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I can see naked attraction parties becoming a thing. Absolutely. Cocktail weenies, serve beggars purses, serve soup dumplings. Yes. I think this is a communal experience. <laughs> I think it begs to be a communal experience. What do you guys think about how this show kind of wraps up each story? Because basically, like, they pick the person, and then we see a little bit of this kind of usually awkward date, <laughs> and then there is a reunion, sort of, I guess I would say, like, two to six weeks later. Yeah. There's often this, I'd want to say anticlimax. <laughs> um, kind of is. No, yes, you do. Yeah. Stephen, you do. But, it, but there is, like, it, even to the point where there's often seems like a mismatch on the dates where, like, one of the two clearly thinks there's going to yeah. be sex. And the other, yeah. yeah. But then it's just like a normal date. It's the only time when the show is ever, ever really makes me go like, ooh, that's brutal. <laughs> it's the way that it sometimes ends. <laughs> there are a lot of them where it's like, you know, you know, we went on a date and it was fine, but I wasn't really feeling it. There, a lot of the people who meet on this show live hours apart. Okay, I was going to so, say that. That's like, yeah. seems to be a big thing. Like, they don't seem to sort people by where they live. Another huge thing about this show is that I realized while watching this, Brits are so concerned about accents and trying to suss out where people are oh, from so and class mm-hmm. and background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like, where are you from? What do you think of the voice? Doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. She's from Kent. Wrong side of London. The wrong side of Scotland. Which you don't get until late in the process when you hear their voice. Yeah. So it is weird that like the the, the huge factor of the dates not working out is just like, oh, we wanted to make it work, but we were like, they just lived six hours away. It's like, okay, this was, right. what was the point of this? Well, yeah. I mean, if you lived in Philadelphia and a dating show set you up with somebody in North Carolina, it'd be like, well, what do you want me to do with this? Exactly. It's like, right. Like love right. is blind, at least. they Everyone is in the same city. Yeah. I do want to sort of uh, put a slight damper on this and notice a pattern that I actually alluded to earlier, which is the subject of race on this show. When you're talking about a show like this, you're also talking about a show where everyone is talking about their quote-unquote preferences. Right. And so rather than outwardly being disparaging, they'll say like, I prefer an hourglass or I don't typically go for someone with that much ink. Uh, this is my excuse my terrible uh, accent (laughs) but like on the other hand you know as anyone who's a person of color or a fat person or a queer person who's been on the apps knows preferences can easily tip into racism transphobia fat phobia and i watched again i watched 
a dozen, maybe more episodes, and I didn't see a single black person get chosen on this show. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, even when the black person was the one who was choosing, they did not wind up with a black person. Um, this is this is what I thought was so weird too. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and so like there aren't that many, and when they do appear, they rarely make it to the final round. Race is barely mentioned on the show, except for this one moment in the first episode of season one that's on Max um, with Mal. I want to just play a little clip here where they actually do very briefly address yeah. race. I've never actually had a guy of this race before. Okay, so ne- never slept with a black guy? No, never. Uh, be completely honest about it. How do you feel? It's definitely the biggest up the lot. And do you like a big willy? I prefer average. I'm only five foot three. It's going to break me. Well... <laughs> So, I mean, it's a little icky. And there's a way in which this show actually, if you think about it, race or not, it does have this sort of auction block sort of uh, quality yeah. to it where you're just like mm-hmm. examining yeah. people Definitely. and literally talking about them Definitely. and they don't speak until the end <laughs> you know yep, so it's right. like it's very kind of weird yeah. and I I, I I I have to like set that aside but it's definitely something I noticed while watching this show and I will say one of the things I think is weird about this show is they don't really tell you at the beginning what parameters mm-hmm. the chooser may have put on who right. they would be willing to go out with. They just mention pre- a few preferences. Like, there's something about each person that you have said right. you like. That's the degree of it. And they don't say, like, do people have age limits? Because there's one where two people went out on a date, and then the woman was like, um, I think you're too old for me. Which is fine, but, like, mm. why were they ever in that, like, situation then, yeah. right? Yeah, Another thing that frustrates me about the show is just the amount of here's a Britishism faffing around there is. Now, y'all watch a lot more dating reality shows than I do. And I know this is a big thing, like coming up. And then they tell you (laughs) what's what's coming up. Then it happens and they told you what just happened. The main thing that angers me about the show are these cartoon interstitials. Love these things. Which purport (laughs) to be educational. (laughs) I think they are engineered to anger me. Online searches for belly button plastic surgery are up over 350%. Since when? Over 107% of men cannot stand A recent survey says... Meaningless. A recent survey. What survey? I just want to point out that none of us can do a British accent, which is good, because we're all in the same boat. It's extremely common for both sexes to have hairy toes. Although a recent survey found women admit trimming their tootsies is their number one most embarrassing beauty secret that they hide from their partner. So, guys, when your missus robs your razor, this is what she's really up to. I love those those Ugh. factoids. I think they're they're so dumb. <laughs> I love them, but I think they're all lies. I mean, and that's the thing. There's no source at the bottom of the screen telling you where they might no, have got never. it from. Like, no, like, no, no footnotes. No. <laughs> Speaking of footnotes, let me be a little bit academic here. Let me be Captain Bring Down. But I was trying to figure out why, how to square the fact that the show exists with the notion that Brits are uptight and priggish and stiff mm-hmm. upper lippy. And then I realized that the, in that culture, they've always had a kind of release valve of of cheek. Like from Chaucer to music halls to carry on films to Benny Hill. What else explains Benny Hill? But like there's this need for this streak of bodiness, mm-hmm. playfulness. And I think one reason this show, one reason we're talking about this show, one reason this has become quote unquote a hit for Max in the US is because in our culture, Puritanism is baked into our DNA. So this we watch this show and it seems wildly incongruent with anything we'd expect to see in mainstream media, because instead of having it in the mix, playful and fun and naughty. We have strip clubs, porn, and OnlyFans, which 
our, we just kind of wall off away from public right. life. Mm-hmm. So it's not in this mainstream cultural mix the way it is in the UK. But I think what it comes down to in the UK, sex is naughty and in the US, sex is dirty. Mm-hmm. And I mm. think that's the point I was trying to make there. Yeah, mm. I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I think it's fascinating to encounter, you know, outcry around this show and people who are upset that it's on Max. And you just think like, how many shows on Max can I tune into at any given moment and watch someone's head get blown off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus a show mm-hmm. where I can see what people look like naked. Yeah. And and just the notion that like yeah. nudity is somehow quote unquote yeah. worse is it, I'm sorry is really really genuinely bizarre to me and like if you are upset about this show and not about gruesome violence I don't know what to tell you their bodies this show definitely evens the playing field too right because like you can also turn on Max and watch any number of HBO shows where you see tons of boobs but you will never see mm-hmm. male genitalia you might see sure. um, a guy's mm-hmm. butt I, I just wish that I had grown up not feeling so ashamed of my body and I feel like part of that is mm-hmm. such an American thing like just mm-hmm. being able to go to into a locker room and just feel free enough to not have to cover up when I'm around other people. Like, I, I think what I like about the show is that it does really kind of everyone is on the same plane. Everyone is being asked similar questions. You know, talk to me about the vulva. Uh, I, it's just it's just great. <laughs> I think we could probably go on for hours talking about the Great British Nake Off, but uh, <laughs> we're not going to. Uh, tell us what you think about Naked Attraction. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH. Up next, what's making us happy this week? This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, is now streaming on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Dive into the chilling new Hulu original series, Under the Bridge, the riveting adaptation of the acclaimed true crime book. Based on shocking true events, Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. Go deep into the hidden world of the town's tormented teenagers as detectives race to solve the sinister crime. Starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone, Under the Bridge is now streaming with new episodes Wednesdays, only on Hulu. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, What's Making Us Happy This Week. Stephen Thompson, what's making you happy this week? 
So what's making me happy is the new album by Sampha called Lahai. Sampha is well known as a guest on a lot of other people's records. You can hear him on Kendrick Lamar records and Alicia Keys, but he just released his own second album called Lahai, and it is absolutely gorgeous. This very soothing and comfortable genre straddling sound that encompasses soul and pop and hip hop in beautiful ways. He has this gorgeous, gorgeous voice, and there's this kind of futuristic quality to to the sound and to his voice that radiates through. I've been listening to this record pretty constantly for a couple weeks now, and I absolutely love it. Uh, Let's hear a little bit of a song called Suspended. So that's Lahai. It is the new album by Sampha. It is absolutely gorgeous. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. Aisha Harris, what is making you happy this week? Tori in Lokita is a film directed by the Dardan brothers. Uh, you may remember them from Two Days, One Night. And this movie won a special prize at Cannes, and it's about two adolescent African immigrants who came to Belgium together and they forged a strong bond, and they're also pretending to be brother and sister. It's very intense, occasionally thrilling, really moving. Lokita is the older one, and she is trying to uh, obtain a work visa, but is having trouble doing that. And meanwhile, both kids are also making money on the side by running drugs for a restaurant owner. Like a lot of immigrant stories, that a lot of bad and unfortunate things happen to both of these characters. People take advantage of them, and it doesn't end happily. But in the end, I think this movie really insists on their humanity and is very intentional in not exploiting these characters, even though the characters within the narrative of the film are being exploited. And it stars Jolie Mumbundo and Pablo Schills, who are fantastic as these lead characters. Um, so I highly recommend it. It's streaming on Criterion Channel and also available for rent. That is Tori and Lokita. Thank you very much, Aisha Harris. Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week, sir? Well, Doctor Who is returning soon with Shuti Gatwa taking over as the Doctor. But before that happens, David Tennant is making history by returning for three specials as the Doctor, which will air at this taping. All we know is sometime in November. So I'm doing a rewatch to prep for all of that. And I am midway through Tennant's first season. It's even better than I remember. And that is true in no small part, because this time I'm watching it with the subtitles on. And I'm not just doing that because I'm older. I'm doing that because I am older and wiser, and I've come to realize that Doctor Who has always had sound mix problems. And Tenet's Doctor tends to toss out jokes under his breath. And there are reams and reams of jokes I didn't get the first time through, so I am enjoying the hell out of seeing it the way I guess it's supposed to be seen. That's Doctor Who on Max with the subtitles on. (laughs) Fabulous. Love it. Thank you, Glenn Weldon. What is making me happy this week, at least for the moment, is postseason baseball, baby. Uh, (laughs) As we tape this episode, my Philadelphia Phillies are trying to win one of their last two games at home so that they can go on to the World Series. They are the team of destiny in my heart. They are a very fun team. I drift in and out of watching baseball because it's too stressful for me. They have given me multiple panic attacks of the sports variety uh, <laughs> already in this postseason. But I have really enjoyed, you know, the, the experience of like watching your team do well. And then sometimes you go back and watch some highlights and watch your team do well again. So 
Hopefully, by the time you hear this, my Phillies are are going to the World Series. If they are not going to the World Series, I greatly appreciated them this season and this postseason. I recommend to everyone a piece that ran in Defector by the great and good Kelsey McKinney, which is called, Is the Phillies Good Luck Charm? A Dedication to Himbo Culture and Showing Clavicle. (laughs) which is a deep dive into the decision of some of the players to wear their shirts open, a couple buttons. Um, I recommend it most highly. And that is what is making me happy this week is postseason baseball, baby. (laughs) If you want links for what we recommended, plus some more recommendations, sign up for our newsletter. That's at npr.org slash newsletter. That brings us to the end of our show. Stephen Thompson, Aisha Harris, Glenn Weldon, thanks so much for being here with your clothes on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This episode is produced by Liz Metzger and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear... It means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.